The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Some of the most interesting reading that you can do in the Bible is look at the call of God upon people's lives. And uh, we can look at Moses at the burning bush. That was, I would say, significant. Paul on the road to Damascus. But also, I would say the call of Samuel to be the prophet that God had in mind for him was one of the great calls as well. We're going to be studying uh, in the next few weeks uh, a subject of prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And uh, that means we're going to be spending some time in in some of the prophets, but a lot in Samuel and in uh, the book of the kings. And so this is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane and And Alex, when I think of a transitional figure uh, in the Bible, one of those would be the prophet Samuel. Oh, amen. Well, welcome to the program, everybody. Another week of Exploring the Word begins, and uh, I'm so honored to be here with you, Bert. And uh, we're going to talk about Samuel, but last week, folks, Bert and I were praying and meeting on the telephone, and we came up with this idea of prophets— kings and kingdoms. And in a way, it's a key to understanding the Old Testament, and in a larger sense, a key to understanding what I would call salvation history. Because, Bert, wouldn't you agree, you know, the, the call of Abraham and the development of the nation of Israel, and then sadly after the death of Solomon, there was a civil war, and there was a divided kingdom stage, and you've got um, a, really a split of ten northern tribes uh, and and then the the two southern tribes, uh, but to understand the prophets, see God would send prophets to Israel to tell them truth. V- very often, hard truth. Kings, northern and southern, and kingdoms. But ultimately, the Savior would come, and we're talking about the coming of the kingdom of God, of which you and I are a part of building that even today. But don't you think? Some of this backstory is really going to unlock perhaps some of the mysteries of the Old Testament. I would say so. And people, you know, people view things in different ways according to their mindset. And uh, I'm a chronological, geographical thinker. I, I just think that way. And uh, I want to place a date on something. I heard people talk about, man, I don't like history. All it is 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 dates and places. I said, man, bring it on. And uh, But we do that. And when you get this in a chronological order, where it fits in, and like you said, it's God's divine plan of redemption. And you see how even the prophets fit in, how the kings fit in, and especially, as you said earlier, Alex, the kingdoms that's going to usher in the kingdom of God. And you remember Jesus talked about his kingdom was not of this world, and uh, we're still living in that kingdom. It's not of this world. Now, we love our country. We believe in uh, fighting for our country in a significant way. Uh, both militarily, I believe in a military, I believe, yes, in, in political uh, battle that you have to go against and, and all of that. But I would say we're not of this world, and we need to understand that the kingdom of God 
you know, reigns over those for us. So, Alex, I am anxious to get into this. But, again, as we, where do you start when you say that? And I, I felt like Samuel was that transitional because he was a judge. And that's exactly yes. what you have before this period of time is the period of the judges. And Samuel, in reality, was the great last judge uh, of mm-hmm. Israel. Well, that's true, and he, you know, just to get a little context, I mean, he would have been a contemporary with some people like um, Gideon and Samson that are very famous, and and Jephthah, uh, but he outlived he outlived them. And you're right, he was interesting. He was a prophet. He was a priest. He was one of the judges. Samuel is is one of my favorite Old Testament figures because he really he did serve God in a number of different ways, in many ways all pictorial of, of Christ and the church and Christian leaders. Uh, he was a miracle child, wasn't he? I, I mean, did. you know, um, Hannah, his mother, uh, was barren, but she prays, and God gave her a child. And uh, so his life was a miracle, but really he was a child. And, of course, wasn't it Hannah who said, For this child I prayed? And he came into this world with a call on his life, didn't he? He did. And and he's one of some interesting people. Uh, He was a Nazarite, uh, and that meant his hair would not be cut. He would not drink wine. And and the death of not going near death of created being and all of that. But Samson was. But remember, Samson, his, his mom and dad prayed for him, and he was kind of a miracle child. And then John, Elizabeth, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she delivered him. Uh, John the Baptist, a Nazarite. So I, I find that interesting that he would fit into that mold uh, a little bit different than John the Baptist and Samson. You know, they were more out there, the way I would call it. Uh, John the Baptist eating locusts and, you know, and honey and uh, wearing camel's hair. He was kind of an outdoor. He was completely an outdoorsman. And Samson being he who was, but Samuel is more refined in that area, but still a Nazarite. And so we find Samuel, again, being prayed for in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel. And Hannah goes up and prays for for the Lord to bless her, and God did that. And uh, Hannah, man, uh, he came from good stock. Let me say that. Samuel came yes. from a, a great uh, woman as she prayed and served the Lord. She was one and of these women that's going to keep her promises, too, isn't she? Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, Samuel's mother knew what persecution was, really, um, to be um, uh, to be barren. And in, in that day and age, I mean, to not have a child, that was really kind of a, a, a social um, disgrace, wasn't it? But Bert, I'm so excited. I haven't even really told you this, but as you, after you and I talked last week and over the weekend, I was studying. Now we're going to do some things in this prophet kings and kingdoms. I believe uh, we're going to look at some things that are maybe facts about the Old Testament you've not heard, and they're going to really help you uncover some of the Old Testament. Uh, but Bert, as I was studying this, invariably I begin to keep some notes about the New Testament. I came across something about the New Testament that is just, I'd never really thought of it. I spent the whole weekend researching. I cannot wait. We've got to, whenever we get done with this 
you know, in-depth look at some Old Testament facts and figures, we've got to do a similar thing about the New Testament, and I'm just brimming with excitement <laughs> over some of the... But, hey, let me just say to all of you Sunday school teachers out there, uh, it's a wonderful thing when you're studying for a lesson and you come across some some real nuggets, and then it gives you some more juicy tidbits. Uh, don't you think good Bible study begats more and more study? It does. And, and again, you see that in, in, in studying for first and second Samuel and first and second Kings. We, we thought about it and we said, where do we go after we finish first and second Thessalonians and our mind went what we've done and what we've covered. And we thought about a book, but then we started saying, when you start covering these books, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, uh, you'll find some material where these Kings were good. These Kings were bad. These prophets did this but they fit together, and that's what we're going to uh, try to do. Is As Alex said, we're going to try to lay it out in such a way that hopefully, uh, if you know it already, it'll be a blessing to you, you know, but if you don't know it, I hope it'll be added to your blessing and it will become real. And so, Alex, you are right. Once you discover one thing, it opens up a key to another. Uh, it's yes. it's kind of like going on a hunt. If you ever heard of a scavenger hunt, uh, yes. My wife, uh, with our sons and now with her grandchildren, every Christmas she'll have a Christmas stocking, and she'll have it filled with different things. And each grandchild, she'll write little notes, uh, go to this place. Now, they have to figure it out. When they get there, they'll find another note that says go to this one and then go to that one. And about the fourth or fifth place they go to, they'll find their prize. And in scriptures, the prize is always there, but that prize will lead you to other prizes, you know, nuggets. And I think that is so true, what you just said. Let let me throw something out here, and this might seem a little unusual, but I want to read a scripture. And again, we're talking about Samuel, certainly one of the most significant people in all of the Old Testament and in biblical history. And, you know, oh my goodness, Samuel did so many things. He... uh, he anointed the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David. He was a prophet. He was a priest. Um, uh, there, there's a lot uh, about Samuel. But let me go back a little bit to First Samuel chapter 1. Uh, we read about uh, Hannah, who was um, one of two wives, and uh, the other was Penina, uh, which is, um, uh, it, that would be tough, wouldn't it, to be, one of two wives. Uh, so Penina mocks Hannah because she doesn't have children. But listen to this. It says in verse 5, Unto Hannah God gave a, a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And so year after year Hannah would go up to the house of the Lord, and she prayed and fasted and, and wept. And Elkanah, her husband, said, why are you weeping? And Hannah says, because, you know, she um, doesn't have a son. Here's the thing. Did you see this, Bert, in verse 5? God gave to Hannah a worthy portion. Now, you might be thinking, okay, what does that mean? Well, in some translations, it'll say a double portion. Well, I looked it up. Oddly enough, the okay, we know what a portion is, a, a, a gift of some sort. 
a, a worthy portion? Well, the wording there is a word for two nostrils. A portion of two nostrils. Now, what in the what could you mean? Bert, I was trying to think about this. It says a, a good portion, a worthy portion, a double portion. But really, in the Hebrew, a portion of two nostrils. Well, the Bible speaks of the breath of God, the, the Spirit. God breathed into Adam, and man became a living soul. Uh, God's truth went forth by the breath of His Spirit. Hannah is about to get a blessing that is so imbibed with the Spirit of God. In other words, with double portion, with both nostrils, the Spirit of God breathed on the life of Hannah. Not only in her walk with the Lord, her son that would be born. And, and let me just say, when you pray and fast and seek the Lord, uh, I know it might sound unusual for our modern minds to think about this today, but you, you want God to breathe on you with both nostrils. And I think from 1 Samuel 1, 5 and 6, we read about how he did that in the life of Hannah. Amen, Alex. The Lord just loved her. His wife, her husband loved her beyond measure. And notice it says, so it was that year after year she went up to the house of the Lord. You know, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person, avails much. But many times that is time. And you remember that? parable about because of their importunity or their continued mm-hmm. asking you know god honors yeah. that and he honored hannah by answering her prayer and giving her samuel and samuel honored the lord by giving samuel back to the lord a dedicated young man to the service of god we're going to learn more about samuel when we come back right after this break don't you go away This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Steve Dixon, Administrator for the Federal Aviation Administration. The FAA regulates all aspects of civil aviation in the United States, including airports, air traffic, and commercial space vehicles. Psalm 232, 7 and 8 reminds us of the protection we seek from God as we travel. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Steve Dixon as he oversees our country's civil aviation. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says faith isn't just about what you believe, it's about what you do. There's an important difference between the two, and we'll learn more about it today as we spend two minutes with Tony. You go to your doctor, he writes you a prescription, and if you can read the prescription, he's not a real doctor. Real doctors can't write. A prescription you don't understand from a man you trust. See, that's the difference. Some people read the Bible and say, I don't understand it. The question is, do you trust the author? Even though I don't understand it, do I trust it? And even if I can read it, I don't know what it means, but I know who wrote it. And because I believe the one who wrote it has integrity, 
I'm going to take it to the pharmacy. I'm going to get it fulfilled. But faith has not occurred simply by picking up what was written from a person of integrity, getting what he provides. Faith has not been exercised until you take the medicine. Until you act on the prescription, all it is is writing on a piece of paper by a person who has integrity that is of absolutely no benefit to you. The question you have to ask with faith is, does God have integrity? And if he does, will I align what he tells me to do in every area of life, not just in church life, not just in quote unquote the religious life, but every aspect of life, my career, my money, my relationships, my singlehood, my this, my that. Does God have integrity on every subject? You say, but I don't see it. And you won't until he sees you moving in faith. If you're ready to start acting on what you believe, check out Tony's two-volume teaching series, Heroes of the Faith, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. That's 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. That's the, the praise of Hannah. And we're going to get back to our discussion of Samuel and our look at the prophets, kings, and kingdoms of the Old Testament. Alex McFarlane here along with Bert Harper. So glad you're listening. And we're going to get back to this. I do want to say a quick word about Truth for a New Generation, coming up in just about five weeks. Biblical worldview. Oh, my goodness, folks, we need it. And at the Truth for a New Generation conference, all ages will learn biblical worldview. And you'll learn it from some of the best speakers and communicators uh, just anywhere. Frank Turek and Sandy Rios and so much more. Uh, It's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, First Baptist Church. And we're going to have some very special sessions on how to bring young people to Christ, and I want to encourage you to uh, be a part of that. Also, let me just say this, Bert, and I don't mean to take up too much of our time, but I did want to mention that this weekend, uh, September 10, 11, and 12, I'm going to be in Columbia, Mississippi. The uh, Tri-County Baptist Association is having an evangelistic crusade. Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, I'll be speaking in Columbia, Mississippi, It's going to be really, really great, and you can go to not only for TNG, the conference in South Carolina, but this weekend, and I'll mention it a time or two this week, I want to meet you when I come to Columbia this weekend, and you can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, and get all the information. I know that will be great. We have a radio station there in Columbia and thereabouts. So a lot of you who are listening can make your way, find out more about that, and be a part of that. Alex, that is so exciting, and we'll be praying and asking God to just bless that, but also truth for a new generation. And so as we continue talking about Samuel, again, he was a Nazarite from from birth. uh, we, We say his mother said a razor would not get on his head, verse 15, nor drink any intoxicating drink. And so this was his uh, 
you know, separation at even at the point of, of before birth, what God would do. And God blessed that. And as you said in verse 27, she is praising the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Alex, should every child be given unto the Lord? Oh, amen, amen, a- absolutely. I-, I think so, don't you? I agree, and I-, I do. A lot of people, they have child, and they do some uh, baptism, sprinkling, or pouring, uh, and I don't want to get into all of that today, but every child that comes into a family uh, that is is of the Lord, we say, Lord, this is your child. We're raising them as stewards of yours for their service to you, and you take them and you use them. And he did use Samuel in a way, as you said, he would he would anoint two of the kings, but even his calling was unique. And we get to that calling uh, when he hears the Lord speak his name, and he goes to Eli, and he said, Eli, here am I. And he, to Eli, and Eli said, what do you mean? I hadn't called you. And about the third time, Eli, you know, said, you know, that was probably the Lord, Samuel. So, uh, you know. Lord, thy servant heareth. He did. And it, it's one of the greatest comments, thy servant heareth. It made me think of Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, you know, the handmaiden of the Lord. Uh, Here right. am I, you know. And so, Alex, uh, this is a great calling, a great birth, a great calling. So here we have it. The power of the prayers of a godly mother and the persuasion of a call from God upon his life sent him into the service of the Lord, and he would continue that all the way unto his death. Well, amen. I mean, there's so many things we could say. And, uh, you know, Psalm 99 lists Samuel as, uh, along with Moses and Aaron, as people who called on the name of the Lord. And you know what's amazing? Psalm 99, verse 6 says, Moses and Aaron were priests, and Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. So even Psalm 99 commends Samuel for his power in prayer and calling on the name of the Lord. So clearly, he was he was one of God's great Old Testament leaders. I do think it's it's interesting and uh, worthwhile to look at the 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 birth of Samuel because that's right Hannah dedicated him to the Lord and that's why the the hand of God was on his life ever since before he was born and you know the famous story and and let's just say this uh, parenting means so much you know Hannah was being persecuted by Penina Hannah goes and prays Eli the priest thought she was drunk. You know, she was so, uh, you know, laid on the altar, and she was praying silently, Hannah was, and her lips were moving, and, uh, you know, she was being silent because she was praying from her heart to God. And it says in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 1, she was in bitterness of soul, she prayed and wept, and Eli thought that she was drunk. Isn't that terrible? But Hannah says in verse 15, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit, I've neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. So don't don't think I'm an evil woman, uh, but I'm out of the abundance of my grief and complaint. I'm speaking to the Lord. 
And Eli says, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant thee thy petition you've asked of him. And let me just say that, isn't it notable, the mother of Samuel, she didn't gripe and say, you know, uh, poor me, I've been childless all these years, and poor me, Penina has persecuted me, and poor me, my husband didn't even understand because, uh, you know, Elkanah said, hey, why do you need a son? I'm better than ten sons. You know, I mean, a lot of the things that people get depressed about and angry about, but what did she do when she had a need? She took all the steps to be in the right position for the blessing of God. She fasted, she prayed, she gave her heart and her desires to the Lord, and she prayed, and it says God gave her the desires of her heart. Bert, God hasn't changed, and we can still, in spite of adversity, we can experience his blessing and the the full, you know, I, I don't want to say just the desires, because maybe some desires you have are not godly desires, and we don't approach God just like a vending machine to get whatever we want. But Bert, isn't it fair to say that very often as we seek the Lord and we pour out our heart to God, um, maybe some of the things we didn't get, it's because God needed to change some of what our priorities were. I would agree, but I, I think Psalm 37, 4 explains that. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Uh, as you delight in the Lord, Alex, your the desires change. Uh, it's not necessarily always for a new car, although you may need a car. The delight is in the Lord himself. You find your delight in the Lord, who he is, uh, his position in your life, his lordship. And so, yes, I, I believe that's a—I don't think you were wrong. I think if you understand the biblical word, delight in the Lord, that's exactly right. And he did this for Hannah, and she did not go back when she weaned him in verse 24. Uh, she took him up with her, and they went with an offering. The child was young, and, and verse 26 says, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. When she met Eli, she wasn't trying to go back on what she said. She was reminding him of what she said. She was that kind of individual. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petitions, which I ask of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord, so as oh, long yeah. as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. Now, listen to this last phrase. So they worship the Lord. Uh, you know, the father and the mother and Eli. Here, here were the parents bringing it to the priest, and it causes the priest to worship Alex. Uh, it, isn't that something? It is. It's a powerful vision of what we're to do as we give what is under the Lord to him. Uh, amen. And, and you know, the thing about it, it's so beautiful of verse 28 in 1 Samuel 1, I have lent him to the Lord because really everything we have is God's anyway. Our children, our marriage, our family, our job, even our, our own health and our abilities, it's all God's anyway. And you know, I've, I've seen it and you know it, but the, when we acknowledge God's true ownership over all of our life, because he is the Lord, we're his children. If you're a believer, and I hope you are, 
we're his servants, but it all, it all belongs to God. And just think about this. Part of the reason that, again, the double portion of God's spirit and God's favor and God's blessing was on Samuel was because he had a good start. His mother, um, and we Hannah is certainly one of the admirable women of the Bible in the Old Testament. And when she says, hey, I'm going to acknowledge that who the true Lord and owner is, uh, God, God always blesses that. You know, I, I've always thought it was so sweet as Samuel, um, you know, grew up, she made him clothes, and she would bring coats, verse uh, 19 of chapter 2, year after year. Um, as he grew up, she would bring him clothes because he was at the temple ministering before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod, verse 18. I mean, Samuel was just a little boy, but dressed like one of the priests, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. And again, God was preparing him. He had used, uh, you know, his mother. But now he uses Eli. Now, I, this I, I'm not going to drop in here long. You may want to stay a little longer. But Eli did not do as well with his sons as he did with Samuel. Now, it may have happened that the sons were just rebellious. And see, Samuel was compliant and wanted the Lord's will. But here Eli did step up and he helped him and he grew. And and that's the whole idea. But again, that connection with his mom, it was there, Alex. It wasn't like here, I drop you off. I have nothing to do with you. No, she came back and came back again. Kind of like her prayers. She prayed year after year and she she came back to him year after year uh, sharing. And, and that is so important. So this is the whole idea that Samuel was prepared. God has prepared him. And and I want to read this. And you may want to go back, but I did want to get to chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 and 21. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Amen. Then the Lord appeared again in shallow. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now, Alex, this calling, notice this calling was significant. It was not only real to Samuel, but it was real to the people. They could see that it was established as a prophet of the Lord. Uh, well, yes. Uh, and, you know, I love those verses, uh, uh, 19 and 20 of, of chapter 3. But it really does also remind me of verse 26 of 1 Samuel 2. The child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Now that might seem reminiscent a little bit of Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Isn't that something? Luke 2.52 is a little uh, reminiscent of Samuel who grew in favor with the Lord and with men. Now, a good start, a good journey, a good outcome. Uh, there's a lot of ways we could go here. We could go and talk about how if your ways are pleasing to God, you'll have favor and you'll, you'll make significance in life. There's a lot we could say here about how uh, Samuel, he, he wasn't trying to become well-known, but because he served the Lord so diligently, in verse 20 of chapter 3, all throughout the land, everybody knew he was a prophet of the Lord. Just like in our own day, I can't think of a better illustration, but I think about Billy Graham. 
I mean, everybody knew that Billy Graham was God's man, you know? Well, let me just say this. Here's, here's what I want to pull out of this. It's so vital for children to be raised up and put on the right path, and they'll stay with that path for the rest of their life. Han, uh, Hannah prayed for Samuel. Samuel were, was raised in the ways of the Lord. No doubt he was prayed over. And, but there was a time, you understand, Samuel, even though the Spirit of the Lord was all over him, he had to make choices. And there comes a time in everybody's life where you have to make the choice, am I going to really follow God? Am I going to trust Christ as my Savior? Am I going to live by the Spirit of the Lord or fall to the temptations of the flesh? And even though Samuel was godly to the core, he had to yield to the call and make those decisions. Bert, there might even be somebody listening right now. And in your journey, you have got to make the decision that you're going to follow the Lord. It, it really has been the, the choice put before every human that's ever lived. Either you're going to follow the Lord or not. And maybe today somebody listening is being prompted by the Spirit to make that choice. Amen. And the Lord is revealing himself to you. As verse 21 says, For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. The Lord demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ would die for us. Jesus is God's complete revelation. It said, When you have, Jesus said, When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And that revelation is through the Word of God as the Holy Spirit brings it to you. And God is revealing himself that he loves you, he cares for you. And Alex, you're exactly right. That individual is listening who hasn't come into this relationship with the Lord right now. We pray that you would ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. We want to hear from you. We're going to make our phone calls available, our phone lines available. And that number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here are some of our core values. AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Were you alive the day John F. Kennedy was assassinated? It's a day you'll never forget. Most of us were alive 20 years ago, the date of 9-11. I'm Charles Morris, inviting you to join me all week on Haven Today for a series as we remember 9-11. 20 years later. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Many who oppose Christianity target their hostility on our foundation, the Bible, They say it's unreliable because Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are contradictory accounts of the creation story. In actuality, the two chapters are complementary and not contradictory. When Jesus was asked about marriage, he quoted from both chapters 1 and 2 in saying that he made them both to be male and female in the beginning. And for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. 
Genesis 1 is an overview of the creation story. Genesis 2 is an up-close examination of day six. If Jesus relies on them both, so can we. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. A mischievous teenage boy sneaked into a farmer's field one night and just for aggravation tossed crabgrass seeds across the fields. The crabgrass grew and spread, and the young man laughed every time he saw the farmer trying to get rid of that pesky intruder. A few years later, the young man fell in love with the farmer's daughter and married her. When her father died, that son-in-law inherited the farm and the very problem he had sown years before. Sowing bad seed always reaps a troublesome harvest. Make the decision now to sow good seed in your life. God's blessings are for those who sow good seed. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex, we're taking those phone calls. We got people calling in, but we have a line or two open, and that number that you can call, 888-589-8840. But, but right before we go to the lines, I won't take but a moment. Alex is talking about what's taking place in October, Truth for New Generation. Also, the Pastor and Wife Retreat that Jan and I host each year, October the 19th through the 21st. Oh, yes. Uh, it's coming up. We still have rooms available. It's at Pickwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee. It's overlooking the Tennessee River, a beautiful place. And as I said, Jan, my wife, will be there sharing and uh, talking to the ladies, and it's going to be a great time. Ed Vitagliano's be there, J.J. Jasper. You can go to repairingthefoundations.net, repairingthefoundations.net, and register, follow that link, and you can register and be a part of that. You better hurry. Time is running out and room, so be sure and do that. But, Alex, uh, I want to go to the phone calls. We got anybody calling in today? How about we ride on down to Texas? Let's go to Texas, and there we will talk with Gary. Gary, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, Alex. Bert, uh, take a call to talk to you again. Um, I had... Uh, Found out at the first part of June. Well, I had a daughter. I knew I had her. Didn't know her name, but she got in touch with me the first part of June. I found out I had three grandchildren. They live in another state, uh, and I hadn't met them. But we talked for maybe seven weeks, or roughly. Uh, but she told me the last time we talked that my 11-year-old grandson, 11 years old, is homosexual. My 13-year-old granddaughter is bisexual. This is real stuff. I never even heard of these kind of things. They're raising their children, her, her husband, 
to do this, and she don't talk to me anymore. Um, she was irate when I didn't support them, and I didn't get mad or upset. But I, I, this this is real, and you're talking about how raising children. I've never heard of anybody raising their children to be this way. I'm horrified, and I pray and ask God, to, Lord, to show me what to do, but I will not accept it. Uh, to, to be a part of their life. I will not support it or accept it for any reason. Okay, Gary. Mm-hmm. Brother, what to do. wow. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. Well, well, God bless you. Um, let me encourage you, and I mentioned this. We've uh, had this person on, the Restored Hope Network. Restored Hope, H-O-P-E, Network. Uh, some names that are very respected, Ann Polk, James Dobson, Joe Dallas, Dr. Michael Brown, myself. I'm one of the endorsers of the Restored Hope Network. There are a lot of resources to help parents and grandparents and extended family. Um, But this is why we do the conferences and the things we do. We're in a battle of worldview. And part of the battle deals with um, people do or don't believe in morality. They do or they don't believe in what God says about human sexuality and gender. Um, And so, brother, I I don't have any quick, easy answers. I'll say this. There are great resources. God is working to raise up leaders and voices to speak to this. But Mark 9.29, some things are only accomplished through fasting and prayer. This agonizing uh, situation, uh, it might just be an opportunity for you to learn some incredible deep things about the power of spiritual warfare. But uh, stand strong, stay hopeful, but understand that this is just part of the battle our our culture finds itself in at this moment, isn't it, Bert? It is. Let me recommend something else. In his image, American Family Association. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Gary has studios, has produced this awesome, awesome movie documentary, and it will help you. Uh, I, I, it, we've heard so many testimonies how it's helped people to equip them to deal with children and grandchildren that were caught up in this lifestyle. And again, uh, it will help you. And whether your daughter would watch this or not, you can still make it available to her and say to her, I just want you to know where I come from. Let her know that in a loving way. I want you to know why I believe what I do. And you can go to inhisimage.movie, and you can view it, and you can uh, try to get your daughter. But we're going to take time to pray right now, Gary. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for Gary. I pray for him to be strong and loving. Lord, that can only happen through your Holy Spirit. It's not in our power to be able to stand in truth and stand in love. We usually go one way or the other. We're too mush in love or or too harsh with truth. And, Father, but your Holy Spirit can help us to stand strong. And I pray for Gary, and I pray for his daughter, that she would not be woke but be awakened to Mm. truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, thank you for that call. Okay, we're going to go to North Carolina to Michael. Michael in North Carolina, welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I love y'all's show. I listen to it every day I can. Well, thank awesome. you. Um, thank you so much. <clears throat> y'all uh, you know, have so much uh, knowledge about things, and I have a question that uh, you might not normally ask, 
But what does the Bible say and what does y'all's take on having a beer or a glass of wine? And I know we don't uh I know we don't want to get have too many or you know, but uh what it what is it what does it say? Okay. Thank you, Michael. Uh the book of Proverbs is a book that you go to. Uh, it is not the 11th commandment, thou shalt not drink. Uh, sometimes I wish it was. I'll be very frank. I am not, I am biased against those being used, even socially. I I, I raise my hands guilty of that because uh, in family and pastoring, Alex, I saw the damage that it has done to so many lives, the misuse of it. And if you never drink it, guess what? You won't abuse it. But the book of Proverbs, really, uh, it doesn't necessarily say don't do it, but it sure does give a sound warning against it, doesn't it? Well, it really does. Two key scriptures, Proverbs 23 and Ephesians 5. Proverbs 23, you know, has this um, section 23, uh, 29 through 35, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has, it's amazing, who has redness of the eyes, those who tarry long over the wine and mixed wine. So Proverbs 23 and Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, for therein is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, in, in all fairness, Bert, Bert is right. The Bible doesn't say, Thou shalt not have a drink of wine. In fact, there are scriptures that, um, you know, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 104 says, uh, Drink your wine with a merry heart, and Jesus turned water to wine. But I do want to say this, Bert, um, I know in the Old Testament and in the New Testament times, grape juice could get fermented and it would become wine. But we're living in a time nowadays where they, they purposely create some drinks that are just hyper, hyper charged with alcohol. And I was, I was reading an article just about two years ago where a lot of the, the, the liquors they sell in, in the inner cities are purposely concocted to get people drunk. And so while even some scriptures talk about, you know, drinking wine, I just don't think it was the hard stuff like they sell today that is, you know, in you yeah. know so, such high proof. The bottom line, um, legalism says you've got to do this, you can't do that. I, I do think it's a, a, a issue between an individual and the Holy Spirit, but... For me, I'm only speaking for Alex. Um, I just don't have time for anything that could... Not only we know alcohol is not a net positive, and it could definitely be a net negative, and it's not going to help me in my walk or witness, and it could very well hinder, so pass. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. That's me. Thank you, Michael, for your call. We hope that helps. Where to next, Alex? How about... Sean in Michigan, Sean in Michigan, and I'm going to be in Michigan in a few months, but uh, talk to me. What you got? Uh, what, what's, what city were you going to be in? Uh, you know, I don't know without looking at my calendar, so let me let me get back to you on that, but I know in about three or four months I'm going to be somewhere in Michigan, but uh, as it gets closer, I'll promote it, I promise. Okay, yes, sir. Uh, my my question. Um, I heard on the radio or on AFR this this weekend that uh, the place where Jesus was laid in his tomb that 
um, a, um, portion. Could that literally be the actual mercy seat as the angels were on either end? Obviously, they didn't have their many wings or their full energetic loadout or whatever, but uh, that that that's a very beautiful picture to to contemplate in, in its uh, eternal significance like that. You got any comments? Mm-hmm. I agree. It's a great picture. I wouldn't say it was the actual mercy seat. I, I love Exodus twenty five twenty two though. Uh, it's one of the greatest scriptures I think in the Old Testament about God's mercy and God's grace. After he told them to meet, uh, build the tabernacle, you know, Alex, and uh, in verse twenty two it says about the mercy seat, and there I'll meet you, meet with you, and I'll speak with you from above the mercy seat. Great passage. That's Exodus twenty five twenty two. But I do think it's a great picture of what Sean is talking about. What about you? Absolutely. And, you know, the mercy seat was was really the lid of the Ark of the Covenant where the blood sacrifice would be uh, put and the glory of God would consume it. And what's interesting is um, there's two words that are associated with the mercy seat. One is the word expiation, but the other is atonement. And when... The blood was brought by the priest and put there on the mercy seat, and God, God's Shekinah glory would consume that. Expiation took place. Now, what does that mean? It means to make amends, to set things right in the aftermath of a wrongdoing. Now, Jesus shed his blood on the cross. The, the wrath of God that you and I deserve was poured onto Jesus on Calvary's cross. He died. He was put in a tomb. He rose from the dead. Bert, I, I don't c- claim to know everything that went on during that weekend after Christ's death, but before the resurrection. He appeared before the Father in heaven, um, entered into the realm of the grave, preached to the spirits in prison. But let me tell you what we need to be excited about. When Christ from Calvary's cross cried out, It is finished, tetelestai, paid in full, the atonement, the turning away of wrath, the propitiation, uh, that, that's our sin was paid, atonement, propitiated, God's wrath was turned away from us, expiated, the wrong between us and God was made right. Our sins were resolved. Bert, I, I don't claim to understand all about how it took place, but Jesus, all of that mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, it came to culmination in the work Christ did for us on the cross. And by putting our faith in Jesus, our sins are, are now washed away. Isn't that the greatest Hallelujah. news we could ever hear? Amen. No wonder. I want to read it again because I think it's a picture of it. Exodus 25, 21, 22. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. That's what you were saying, Alex. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you, the testimony of all of God's promises. And there... I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. Alex, praise God for the Lord Jesus Christ and his mercy he demonstrated toward us. Thank you for that good call, Sean. We're too next. About, We've got one, uh, time for one more, maybe. Kentucky and uh, Frank, let's see here. Yes. Frank, do, good, uh, welcome. Hi there. Thank you. I have a question to ask. Um, I heard a sermon about uh, Hannah. Um, 
about how long when Hannah was in the she was she was crying about about uh, her situation about her to be son. But uh, my question: Do you have have an idea of how long Hannah was uh, barren? Okay. Uh, it doesn't sound like it was a miracle like it was with Elizabeth, Alex. You know, uh, it doesn't sound like she was past childbearing age, quote. Uh, but it, it said year after year. Um, mm -hmm. We don't and have it, any exact number, but it was a lengthy period. And it said the Lord had shut up her womb. You know, her childlessness... I believe, uh, verse 5, the Lord had shut her womb. It was uh, the fact that she had been unable to conceive. Bert, I'm going to tie it to John 9, 3, uh, when they said, you know, why was this man born blind? Did he sin or his parents? John 9, 3, Jesus said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but this happened so that the works of God might be manifest. How long was Hannah barren and why? I don't know how long, but I believe why, because ultimately it was all set up that the power, the wisdom, the work of God would be made manifest. And and that's what it was. Um, and in our own lives, Bert, I think there are circumstances that maybe we don't understand it at the moment, but if we can just wait on the Lord, it, God is setting the pieces in place for our blessing, His glory, his plan, and yes, even in our own lives, the works of God can be manifest. I agree, Alex, and God's glory was demonstrated in that. Uh, God is able. Just know that. He is able, and I think it showed some persistence on her part, and uh, uh, praise the Lord for that. So she, she learned how to persevere she, in prayer. She did, and we need to take that as an example. Alex, it's good to be with you. We didn't get to Paul and Becky. They had great questions. Hope they can call back tomorrow and we can get to them. And we'll continue talking about kings, prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And we'll have Samuel part two tomorrow. So listen for Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.